welcome listeners to another insightful episode of the Gap and Wrap Biosimilar Series. I'm your host and Wrap President Amanda Mixon. Today we have a very special and informative episode lined up for you, focusing on a crucial aspect of the biosimilars landscape, the interplay of managed care and biosimilars. With an ever-evolving healthcare industry, understanding biosimilars in the realm of managed care has become essential for both practitioners and patients alike. To shed some light on this important subject, we have a distinguished expert joining us today. Please welcome Audrey Gibson, PA, who brings a wealth of experience and knowledge to the podcast today. As a prominent figure in the field, Audrey's insights will help us navigate the complexities of managed care systems as they pertain to biosimilars and how they impact patient access, cost, and overall healthcare outcomes. Thank you for having me, Amanda. It's a pleasure to be a part of the podcast. I've been listening to previous episodes and have been blown away by the information they've provided. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, it's this is a challenging subject to go through because we think we know about biosimilars, but there is, as I have been the host of this series, have really learned um, there's so much about them that I really didn't know from the production to the studies that were involved to FDA approval. So it's pretty fascinating um, being able to be the host of this series. And just for, you know, to start things, for our listeners that are un- unfamiliar with you, Audrey, can you give us a quick introduction? Sure. So I'm a physician assistant. I'm located in Gainesville, Georgia, which is about an hour northeast of Atlanta. Um, I'm in a rheumatology practice there, private practice, and I've been there for 16 years. And um, I am a faculty member on RAP. And again, I'm just so excited to be a part of this podcast today. Oh, well, again, we're very excited to have you. And obviously, having known you now for a few years, um, definitely, I mean, you are just such a, a an inspiration. And, you know, I obviously thank you for being a, a faculty member, but also personally, thank you because you have taken some of my patients that have moved down to Georgia. So um, I, I also appreciate that, too. Um, so with that, with without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the world of managed care and biosimilars with the incredible Audrey Gibson and discover how this critical intersection is shaping the future of patient-centered care. The very first question I have for you is to get all the listeners on the same page. Some may be familiar with managed care and some may have even worked in managed care, but I'm not sure there are many of us that could, or I'm sure there are many of us that could use some clarification on what exactly it is. Um, So that said, can you start us off with a definition of managed care? Sure. So that's a great point and a definition I'm happy to provide. Managed care is a system of organizing and delivering healthcare services in a way that aims to improve the quality and efficacy of care while controlling costs. It involves a variety of techniques and strategies that focus on managing the healthcare needs of a defined population of individuals often through contracts with selected healthcare providers and organizations. The primary goal of managed care is to ensure that patients receive the right care at the right time and in the most appropriate setting. Okay, so that was a really good explanation for our listeners. So now that we're all up to speed on what exactly managed care is, can you speak a little bit about implications for biosimilars reaching the market? Can I have specifically within the context of managed care? 
Certainly. So biosimilars have significant managed care implications as they reach the market. I tend to put them into three or four buckets to kind of keep them straight. The first bucket is probably the most important or the most central, and that's cost savings. One of the primary one of the primary managed care implications of biosimilars reaching the market is the potential for cost savings. Biologic drugs are typically our higher cost medications used to treat complex and chronic conditions. We've got a lot of them in our rheumatology world for RA, AXPA, and PSA, and plenty more. More while our GI colleagues tend to use them to treat Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. Introducing biosimilars can lead to price competition, driving down the cost of treatment for payers, providers, and patients. Managed care organizations can negotiate favorable contracts with biosimilar manufacturers to lower drug costs, ultimately reducing the overall health care expenditure. The second bucket I tend to put biosimilar implications for managed care is in market access and formulary management. Managed care organizations are responsible for selecting drugs to be included in their formularies, which are lists of medications covered by insurance plans. The availability and inclusion of biosimilars in these formularies play a significant role in their adoption. Payers must consider factors like cost effectiveness, clinical efficacy, and patient outcomes when deciding to include a biosimilar in their formulary over the reference biologic or other competitors. Some payers may even opt for exclusive contracts with specific biosimilar manufacturers to secure better prices. That is really, really helpful, to, you know, even just to kind of help me understand why a, you know, one particular payer might choose one thing over another. And really, I mean, it's 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 cost, it's quality, and ultimately the best for patient care. Uh, what about the, I think you said four buckets. So what were the third and the fourth buckets? Right. So the third bucket would be what I consider utilization management. The introduction of biosimilars may lead to changes in utilization management strategies. Payers may implement step therapy, prior authorization, or dose optimization programs to encourage the use of biosimilars as the first-line treatment option, ensuring their cost-effective utilization while maintaining patient safety and efficacy. Additionally, formulary tier placement and copayment structures can influence prescriber and patient preferences for biosimilars. And my last one, which may be less obvious, but I think it's still important, is patient education and awareness. Managed care organizations play a vital role in educating patient and healthcare providers about biosimilars. Many patients may be accustomed to brand name biologics and the concept of biosimilars might be new to them. Effective communication about the safety, efficacy, and potential cost savings of biosimilars can increase patient confidence in these medications and encourage their use further promoting managed care goals. Wow, that that was really helpful um, and appreciative for you to provide that for our listeners because, you know, at the end of the day, obviously it's about providing the best patient care that we can. Right. And and I, I love that last, the last thing that you said, because I, I, I think it is so important that, you know, obviously some of it may not be up to us in terms of what an insurance may cover or, you know, but, but ultimately our patients need to understand that and that, you know, that that they're still getting the highest quality medication to treat their disease. And I think that patient education is just so important. Um, now, you kind of touched on this a bit, but it's something I wanted to know a little bit more about. Would you mind giving us a little more information on the potential benefits of biosimilars in managed care? Sure. 
Some of this may be similar to the overall implications, but generally the number one benefit to biosimilars in managed care is going to be the cost savings. One of the most significant benefits of biosimilars in managed care is their potential to reduce healthcare costs significantly. Biologic drugs are typically expensive due to their complex manufacturing processes and research and development costs. Biosimilars are developed to be highly similar to their reference biologic products, and their introduction into the market creates competition, leading to price reductions. Lower costs can ease the financial burden on patients, payers, and the healthcare system, enabling broader access to biologic therapies for more patients. And then there's lots of other downstream benefits that I consider a result of cost savings. A big one is increased access to biologic therapies. By offering more affordable alternatives to reference biologic, biosimilars can expand patient access to critical treatments. This increased access can be particularly beneficial for patients who might have otherwise faced barriers due to high cost of biologic drugs. Improved access can lead to better patient outcomes as they can receive timely and appropriate treatments for their conditions. And I think, you know, we've all had these patients in clinic where patients have not been able to receive their biologics due to the cost or it's taken them a long time to get them because we can't get the medications approved, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So another downstream benefit that might be more theoretical, but I think somewhat intuitive is increased treatment adherence. High-cost medications can result in non-adherence or discontinuation of treatment as patients may struggle to afford them or face difficulties with reimbursement. And again, kind of similar thing here. I've had patients where, you know, they spread their biologics out because the cost is so expensive. They try to make them last a little bit longer, which ultimately for the patient, they're not as effective that way. And then the patient, of course, they have flares and they have pain and then they have joint damage. So by... Yeah. Yeah. I I was just saying, I I totally, I've experienced the exact same thing. We can't get the medicine for somebody or maybe we do get the medicine, but we've had this big struggle. And then they, the patient, then you're right. Like tries to hoard their doses because they're afraid that they're, yeah, that they're not going to be able to, to, to get it down the road. Exactly. Yeah. We, I, I, I know you do. And I do too. We deal with this almost on a daily basis. So this is, this is a real struggle in, you know, clinical practice. So biosimilars cost effectiveness, they can promote treatment adherence as patients are more likely to adhere to prescribed therapies when financial constraints are minimized. Improved adherence leads to better disease management and reduced hospitalizations, ultimately contributing to better overall patient health. And lastly, something I think is easy for us to forget in health system sustainability and allocation of funds to other needed areas. The high cost of biologics can strain the healthcare budgets and limit access to necessary treatments and impact the sustainability of healthcare systems. By integrating biosimilars into managed care, health systems can better manage their budgets, allocate resources more efficiently, and maintain the overall sustainability of healthcare services. All just such fantastic points. Really, the potential benefits of biosimilars and managed care seem plentiful. And I think a lot of these points also extend outside of managed care, really, even just to general practices. I think you're right. A lot of these benefits cover most aspects of healthcare, including managed care. Okay, so let's now kind of switch gears a little bit. Kind of a curveball for you, um, but can 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 you put on a manager or an administrative hat 
and give us some strategies that can be used to establish clinical pathways and increase biosimilar uptake in managed care clinical practice. So you're no longer a PA, a, pr a pr provider. You are now in administration. <laughs> oh, no, that's not good. Um, all right. So let's see what I can do here. All right. I'm sure there's lots of ways to establish such pathways or to nudge biosimilar uptake in clinical practice and managed care. But I've got a few ideas. Um, I think one is to create a discrete guidance for providers and specialties where biosimilars may be used, such as rheumatology or gastroenterology. These guidance documents are kind of like virtual pathways, should be evidence-based, multidisciplinary care plans that outline the recommended treatment course for specific medical conditions. Ultimately, they should aim to improve the quality of care, enhance patient outcomes, and standardize care processes. In an ideal world, these guidance documents are produced by various healthcare specialists who review the latest evidence and make decisions accordingly. For these to work, education and training needs to be top-notch, ensuring that healthcare providers are well-informed about the pathways to promote adherence to the established protocols. Some other ways to increase biosimilar uptake in managed care practices might be managing the formulary correctly. Including biosimilars in the formulary alongside Originer Biologics can encourage providers to consider them as viable treatment options. Utilization management programs may also be an option, so implementing strategies such as step therapy or prior authorization can encourage the use of biosimilars as a first-line treatment before considering more expensive options. And lastly, monitoring and reporting may be beneficial. Regularly monitoring the utilization and cost savings associated with biosimilars and sharing this information with providers can definitely encourage continued use. If I'm a leader in one of these organizations, I'm probably combining, mixing, and matching these strategies where I see fit. That's the way I see most effectively established clinical pathways and promote the uptake of biosimilars, ultimately leading to improved patient care and cost-effective treatment options. Well, wow. If you ever decided that you wanted to go and be an administrator, I think that you would do a really good job. But but then we would really miss you as a PA and practitioner. So I don't want you to do that. <laughs> um, but this really has been an informative discussion. You know, I, I think, again, I think it's important that we understand how these are made, how they get approved, all of those things, but then how we actually utilize them in practice. Um, so now let's shift our attention and talk more about the practical aspects and key take-home messages that really have emerged from our discussion today. Um, so, you know, I think that this is really an opportunity for us to, you know, just chat and, and kind of think about some of the things. So as, as you kind of think about your practice and really all kind of rheumatology and managed care entities, what do you think are some key challenges faced by managed care when it comes to increasing biosimilar uptake among providers? You know, I just think about, you know, our clinical practice. I think about our providers and I think you may you may agree with me, but I think we're ultimately creatures of habit. Right. Um, yes. And so, you know, sometimes going outside of our comfort zone um, is hard for us. I think, you know, one of the things that these podcasts really have helped me with, and hopefully they've helped other patients or other providers with, is that, you know, really explaining the research development and how these products came to market, um, you know, and how they are safe and effective in our patients so that we can utilize them for our patients. Um, you know, 
that kind of gives you confidence in the drug. Um, when, you know, when you're thinking of starting a patient on a biologic, you know, can you provide them or put them on a biosimilar, which you know is going to be safe and is going to be effective, but also potentially save the patient money in the long run. Um, those are kind of my thoughts on that. Oh, um, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, I think a lot of it is just, we, in fact, you know, it's funny, like the older I get, I'm like, oh, you can't, you know, it's hard for me to change my mind. Like you can't, right. what do they say? You can't teach an old dog new tricks. I mean, exactly. and I'm like, wow, I'm now becoming the old dog, you know, <laughs> because, um, but, but I feel like that's kind of what, what happens. We get so like used to doing things the way that we do them. And then when something yeah. new comes, that can be frightening. And so, right. but I, I totally agree. I think understanding the why and how this could be really beneficial, I think takes some of that fear out Absolutely. and then, yeah. And then we just understand that this is the way of the future. And actually it's really good. It's really good for our patients. I mean, right. I, I think ultimately, you know, five years from now, this won't even be a conversation, you know, we won't even be having this conversation no, hopefully no. Um, because it'll just be something that we're so used to. Um, so, you know, I have the kind of the same question, but also now focused on patients. I kind of think I might know what you said, what you might say. Um, but what do you think, you know, the challenges might be with managed care groups that they're going to face when it comes to biosimilar uptake among patients? So I think it's going to be very similar problem that we have as providers. You know, I think patients also are very comfortable with, you know, what they've been on, what has worked for them in the past. And then of course, you know, it's, it's explaining, I think, again, I think as APPs, we do a fantastic job at this, but it really explaining where this is going to benefit patients down the road, because I think if patients understand their potential cost savings, but also that, again, they're getting a very effective and safe drug that, you know, they want to know the benefits. If you're, especially like, let's say if you have a patient on a biologic and you're, they're having to switch, you know, whether that's because you choose to or because their insurance is making them, if they can understand, again, like you said earlier, the why, they're going to be more comfortable with that decision and they're going to be more open to making that change. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it all comes back down to just fear and the right. unknown, right? Like right. we're scared of stuff that we don't know about. And I think that both as providers and as patients, I think that there's that same thing. But again, if patients understand the why, then I'm, I'm totally with you. I think that then it takes that fear away. And, you know, again, I, this is all very new to, well, it's sort of new. We've been kind of using biologics, uh, the biosimilars in the IV space for a while now. Um, and I think what will likely happen is, again, in the next several years, months to years, hopefully it'll just kind of be like, okay, I want to give you, for example, adalimumab. Okay, this is the adalimumab that is going to be covered by your insurance. And then hopefully it just won't be a big deal and we can just do it, you know, and, and there won't be any questions. Um, okay, so lastly, we're going to ask every guest on this series this question because we think it's an important one. And, and want to get really multiple perspectives from both GI and rheumatology APPs. What is the most frequent question you get from patients about biosimilars and how do you answer it? You know, I think obviously we get a lot, lots of questions about biosimilars. I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, patients really want to know two things, right? You know, they want to know, okay, is a medication safe? You know, is it safe for them to take? 
Um, and is it going to work, right? Is it going to be effective? Is it going to control their joint inflammation or their joint pain? Or in the GI world, is it going to control, you know, gut inflammation? And um, again, I think if you sit down and you explain the process of the way that these biosimilars, you know, came to market, how they were developed, you can really reassure the patients that the drugs are safe and that they are going to be effective for, you know, whatever, um, you know, condition that we're treating them for. Um, and then if, I think lastly, you know, again, it's cost, right? It's cost and access. Um, you know, I always tell patients, you know, I can have one of the most effective drugs in the world, but if patients don't have access to it or they can't get it, it's not covered by their insurance, then it really doesn't do them any good. Um, you know, so it's really making sure that all patients have access to these medications in order to control their disease appropriately. Um, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do, right? Um, you know, make sure that these patients can go to work and play with their kids and function normally um, without having to worry about cost or side effects of their medications. Absolutely. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that, you know, it really comes down to our own confidence. I think when we're talking to patients, I, I will yeah. say that, you know, talking to patients about biosimilars, I'm because, you know, I have an understanding of this. When I talk to patients, it's kind of like they really, they think of us as the experts. And so as long as we have the confidence to tell them that we're not concerned about it, I think the great majority of patients will feel that way too. Oh, right. And, you know, the patients trust us. I think you said in one of the earlier episodes, you know, you you've become family with your patients. Yeah. Um, you treat them chronically over years and years and years. And so they trust your judgment. They trust your clinical insight. And um, and that, like you said, they that's what they want to hear. They want to hear that you're confident in the medication. And if, if you say that you're confident, then they'll go along with you. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I know I, I kind of joke and I say to my patients, like we're, we're, and I think I probably have said this on a previous episode, but this is true. I, I say to my patients, you know, we're growing old together. And so right. uh, it's interesting. We're all getting gray hair together. So, um, and that's, that's just the way that it is. But that's something also that I love about rheumatology is we really do see these patients for their lifetime, you know? Uh-huh. Yep. Um, but well, this was just so awesome. And, you know, again, you know, this has just been incredible talking with you. Um, with that, I really, you know, that concludes another enlightening episode of the Gap and Rat Biosimilars series. I hope you found our discussion on managed care and biosimilars both informative and thought-provoking. A special thank you again to our amazing guest, Audrey, for sharing her invaluable expertise and providing us with a deep understanding of the intersection of biosimilars and managed care. And yeah, again, just thank you so much. I'm, again, so honored, so thankful to be a part of this group and a part of the podcast. So thank you so much for having me, Amanda. Oh, yes, of, of course. We're happy to have you. And again, it's just, it's so amazing to see so many APPs really uh, through this and through really through RAP. I, I've been able to meet such incredible people across the country. And and it's just, it's just so, so amazing to see what we're all doing around the country and what we're going to continue to do, because we all know that we're just going to continue to, um, you know, I think exponentially grow in numbers. And so, um, it's just it's it's just so incredible. So, um, well, everyone, all the listeners out there, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, I would also like to say thank you to Pfizer and Amgen. Without their continued support of APP education, this podcast would not be possible. 
Please see our show notes for learning objectives from this episode and to fill out our evaluation so we can receive feedback. Make sure you join us next time as we discuss the benefits of biosimilars. Remember to follow GapCast and RapCast so you don't miss an episode. So until next time, take care. <laughs>